Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is October the 1st, and our chapter for today is Romans chapter 13. Now remember how the book is divided up. It's divided up in three primary parts. You have the doctrinal aspects that are primarily dealt with in Romans 1 through 8. Then you have the dispensational aspects of the book, that is the relationship between the church of Jesus and Israel, the nation of Israel, and how God chose them, how he chose us, how we are to work together, and all the particulars about that in Romans 9, 10, and 11. When he comes to chapter 12, the Apostle Paul starts dealing with the practical aspects of salvation, or basically, we could say what our duties are, What are our obligations? Yes, there are obligations to the love of God. Yes, there are strings to the love of God. Yes, there are things that we need to do because of what God has done for us. Not because we have to in order to be saved, but because we get to because we are saved. And just as God loves us, there is a mutual love that will come into the heart of a believer, a follower of Jesus, if they are truly born into the family of God. We don't hate our Father. We love our Father. And Jesus is precious to us. That's what the Apostle Peter said in First Peter. He said, to those who believe, not talking about a handful of people, to those who believe, that's everyone. If you are a believer, Jesus is precious to you. You say, well, he's never been precious to me. Then you're not a believer. To those who believe, to those who trust, to those who are saved, to those who are in the family of God, Jesus is precious. I mean, after all, if he's not the delight of your heart, if he's not precious to your soul, you are either living in a way that's displeasing to God and you need to confess and repent and get right with the Lord, get back in a proper fellowship with him. But you may not have a relationship with him if that has never been the case and it's not the habit of your life. It is inordinate for someone to say that they are a child of God, a follower of Jesus, and don't love him and devote themselves to him. After all, after we become children of God, we are his devotees. We are devoted to him. He owns us. We are his slaves. We are his servants. We have willingly done this, not forced or coerced as a slavery is usually associated with, but a willing slave that says, I want to serve you. I don't want to do anything but be and live for you. So this is the attitude of that one that is living in submission to the Lord Jesus. So he talks about that in Romans 12, 1, which we dealt with in the last podcast. But now in chapter 13, he goes out into the highways where we live our lives. You see, it's easy to talk about Jesus in the church inside the four walls with other people. But what about when we get outside with the world where the shoe leather meets the road? 
Well, he said, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Now think about this. The words here that are used all have to do with authority, not in the sense of a person's character or of a person's being, but all the words that are used here are words that have to do primarily with the military. That's right, with the military. For instance, the word exousia is not the word dunamis. It's the word exousia. Both are translated power, but exousia is the word for authority. And so that's what you have here. Let everyone be subject to. Well, that means not that you're a doormat and that you have no will, you have no choices, you have no freedoms. No, it means that you get in your proper order. The word is hupotasso, and it means to arrange or to put in order. This is the word that is used throughout the New Testament by the Apostle Paul for the relationship of the husband and the wife, the relationship between Jesus and the church, the relationship between parents and children. All of that is arranged in a word picture called hupotasso, and it means to put in proper order. It has to do with rank. It's a military term, which means to draw up in order. In other words, put everyone in their proper place. Now, I know this may sound really out of place for our perverse culture that we're living in, but God is a God of order. After all, he created the cosmos. That's the word where we get our word order. It's where we get our word cosmetic. Cosmetics were designed to enhance the natural order of the face. In some cases, on some people creates order, which is fine. I'm all for it. But I'm just saying that's the root of it is order. That's why the word cosmeo, cosmetic, is used because it enhances the natural order of the face. And so this is the whole idea behind Romans 13 is God has created order. He's created order in the family. He's created order in the church. He's created order in the secular world, as we call it today. It was not designed that way, but in the world in which we live where there are governing authorities. That is, there are people who are placed in order and others are placed in subjection to them so that there is a pecking order like there would be on a farm in a hen house. In other words, everybody can't be a rooster or we have no reproduction. Everybody cannot be a hen or we have no production. And so all of these kind of things I know are probably grotesque illustrations to you, but this is the way that hupotasso is used throughout the Greek world, throughout the uh, ancient world, and in the Bible. God has an order for everything, and unless we follow his order, what is designed to be cosmos order becomes chaos disorder. And so God has all of this laid out, and so he said, I have appointed the authorities over you. He's the one that invented government. We didn't come up with that. That's just like our forefathers understood that God is the one that gives us freedom. God is the one that gives us rights, that is, ability to do certain things. We have freedom of conscience. Nobody can control our conscience. Nobody can control what we are on the inside except us. People can persuade us that we can be led, we can be deceived, we can be taught, but only we make the decisions about that. That's why every man 
must take responsibility for himself. Also, this is why no democracy in any form will ever, ever work without a Judeo-Christian ethic and principle behind it. Why? Because it is in that moral principle that we have respect for others. It is in that moral principle that we have people understandably created in the image of a creator and that there is a creator that we are all responsible to. There is a higher person. All of that is a Judeo-Christian ethic of not murdering and respecting life, not killing, not stealing, not coveting. All of those are Judeo-Christian principles. And unless there is a willful restraint in the heart, no law can be passed and not enough laws, not any amount of laws can be passed to keep people in line unless there is a moral base from which to draw those laws and moral restraint. See, this is what happens when you see hurricanes or disasters hit in a place where a moral base is lost. Now think about this. What happened after Katrina? When you had lawlessness, you had pictures on international TV of looting, of people going into their neighbors' homes. What are we seeing today in the major cities of America where the Judeo-Christian principle has been tossed out the window for the wokeism of our day that is anti-God, that is anti-Christian, that is anti-Jewish? What do you see? You see chaos. You see people going in having no respect for life, having no respect for property, having no respect for other people, and they're just beating people up on the streets of our major cities. They're going in and robbing people in open daylight. Why? Because there's no moral restraint in their heart. And because of that, there are people who are in authority that have no moral basis for being where they are, and so they allow this lawlessness to go on. But you think about it, this is going on on the streets of our cities today. But not only that, after the hurricane in New Orleans, Katrina, back in the early 2000s, if you will recall that, it was like a madhouse. But then you see hurricanes come into other places, for instance, in Florida, and you see areas in Mississippi where there is lawful order where there is no toleration for this, where people are morally restrained because they have a Judeo-Christian base and they've been taught that and there's great freedom for that. There are freedoms to protect your property and your rights that God has handed down to us and given us freedoms. And with those freedoms come responsibilities. All of these things, for instance, the same hurricane that hit The same storm that hit New Orleans also hit Mississippi. But you didn't see the looting that you saw in New Orleans in Mississippi. Why? Because Mississippi has a high level of Christianity and a Judeo-Christian base and a respect for life, where that was not the case in South Louisiana. I'm sorry. You say, well, wait, that's one of the strongholds of the Catholic Church. I'm not talking about people being church. I'm talking about a Judeo-Christian base where people are living under the lordship of Jesus Christ, or they have a respect for the Word of God and the laws and the morality that's taught in the Bible. Now, the proof's in the pudding. It has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with ethnicity. It has nothing to do with education. 
It has to do with morality. It has to do with all freedoms, with all rights. There comes responsibility. And if there is no moral base that says you need to submit yourselves to others because God says to, you need to do the right thing whether anybody's looking or not. Whether you have electricity or not, you don't go into your neighbor's house and steal things. You don't go in and rob people. Unless that is ingrained in the heart and the conscience, you're going to have chaos, you're going to have disrespect, you're going to have murder, and people acting like animals instead of human beings on the streets of our cities. And so there is something to this submitting ourselves to those who are in authority. You say, well, wait just a minute, what about if these people are evil? Well, even in evil countries, there is a need to have order and law. And when those laws conflict with the Bible, the Bible is our final authority. And so, yes, we are to submit to those who are above us, who are instruments of God, that where God has put in place. But there is a time for civil disobedience. Now you say, well, how do you, how do you square that? I don't. I just know that the law of God is the highest law. And in a sin cursed world, there are times when people are in authority who would stamp out the entire human race if there was not civil disobedience. So there are times when the laws of God that are clearly laid down, moral laws that are not being obeyed by those who are in authority, there is a time for civil disobedience. Now, I'm not going to cover all the ethical aspects of that in this particular podcast, but I can tell you it is a necessity, and we have examples of that in the Bible. You remember Peter, James, and John were told not to preach again in the name of Jesus, that they were not to spread the gospel. But if you'll recall, it was the leader of the disciples of Jesus who said, uh, should we obey God or men? And then they went on and preached the gospel. That's what you call civil disobedience. There are times when we're called upon to stand. Now, if you would like more light on this, I want to encourage you to read a book that has just come out by Eric Metaxas. Eric Metaxas. Many of you are familiar with Eric because of what you've seen him on news shows, and you may have read his book on Diedrich Bonhoeffer, the great hero of the faith that stood against Adolf Hitler. He was exercising civil disobedience during the days of the Nazi regime when millions of Jews were being killed. Is there a time to stand? Yes. And Eric Metaxas not only wrote the book on Bonhoeffer, but now he has written a letter to the American church. That's the name of the book, A Letter to the American Church by Eric Metaxas. You can get it on Amazon. You can order it various places. It is only about 150 pages. You can read it through in an afternoon or in a couple of days. It is worth your reading. As you know, I don't recommend books, but our day needs a book like Eric has written, and I want to encourage all of you to get it. It's not that expensive, less than $20. It's a hardback book. And uh, pass it around because he deals with this aspect of ethics. He compares the Church of Jesus in America today 
with the Church of Germany in the 1930s. And there are great parallels, and we are headed in the same direction, I fear, and we've learned nothing from history. So I want to encourage you in this podcast to get Eric Metaxas' book, uh, Letter to the American Church. And he also deals with what we call wokeism, but he also deals with a what I believe is a dangerous trend. Now stick with me here for just one minute a dangerous trend in the church today that is using a phrase that really sounds good and I'm sure has good intentions, but it's being used in a bad way, and that is for the gospel's sake. In other words, we don't confront evil. We don't deal with anything political. We don't take a stand on anything, and we do that for the gospel's sake, quote, end quote, so that we don't lose our witness. Well, you see, These people need to read the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And there is plenty of civil disobedience. There is plenty of confronting evil. There is plenty of calling the government to account. There is plenty of calling a king, a ruler, a president, an emperor, whatever you want. Those are in control and in authority to account before Almighty God. And uh, whether they like it, whether they listen, they need to know there's been prophets in the country. And I personally believe, hear me now, I personally believe that we're in the shape we are in America because of wet noodleback, weak, mamby-pamby preaching that is afraid to call out evil because they may have sin in their lives. Well, welcome to the human race. Everybody has sin in their lives, but we need to call out sin where it is. We need to repent if it's in our own lives. We need to get right with God, and the men of God that stand in pulpits need to be heralds of truth, not just the gospel, but of truth, and truth confronts evil, whether it's it's comfortable or uncomfortable, that is what we must do in our generation or America is going to go to hell because we have forgotten God. And the Bible says any nation that forgets God will be turned into hell. Yes, hell eventually, those who are going to be eternally damned, but the nation is going to be a kind of hell on earth, and we're beginning to see that in the major cities of the West, in Europe and in America. May God grant us men of God that will stand, women of God that will stand for truth, and will not be afraid of losing our witness. The worst witness we can have is to be silent when evil is all around us. It was Edmund Burke who was the first, I believe, that was attributed as saying, all it takes for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.